This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the Dallas Morning News, I'm Christopher Wynn, and this is a special audio report. A missing leopard, a dead vulture, stolen monkeys. For weeks, a crime wave at the Dallas Zoo spurred national attention. Then glad you're with us. We start with breaking news here this midday. The Dallas Zoo is closed. Two emperor tamarind monkeys are the latest animals to disappear at the Dallas Zoo. I've been in the uh, zoo profession over 30 plus years. Totally unprecedented and, and very, very disturbing. Last month, a clouded leopard was able to roam free for a day at the zoo after two different enclosures were damaged. It came after four bizarre incidents involving animals in just one month three of which police have linked to one man. In the end, an arrest was made, but it was not an inside job or an exotic animal trafficking ring. The suspect was a 24-year-old man who told police he loved animals, and if he got out, he'd steal them again. Today, we talk with reporter Jamie Landers about how the Dallas Zoo mystery finally unraveled. Jamie, can you tell me who you are and what you do here for the news? Yes. So my name is Jamie Landers. I am a breaking news reporter here at the Dallas Morning News, which basically means I just report on the story of the day, whether that's crime, weather, traffic, you name it. But for about the past two months, it's been strictly Dallas Zoo. Naturally, this all starts on Friday the 13th. And I'm in the midst of a pretty routine morning breaking news shift when at about 10.20, we see a tweet from the Dallas Zoo. This tweet is super short. It just says the zoo is closed due to a serious situation. And I mean, how vague that could have meant anything. Now, eventually they start to kind of expand on what this means in a thread. And they tell us that one of their clouded leopards was unaccounted for during a routine morning headcount. At this point, they still don't know where she is, but they tell us that they have police on the ground helping them search, and that's where we start. News here this midday, the Dallas Zoo is closed for the day after a leopard escaped from its habitat. Zoo officials and Dallas police are now searching for a clouded leopard named Nova. Uh, this is a live video. And here so when I kind of recounted this story with one of the managers at the zoo, her name is Lisa Van Sleet, she tells me that She showed police officers her sister Luna so that they could get a better grasp of what it is that they're looking for. Because not only did they bring infrared drones and a helicopter and detectives and patrol, but they brought their SWAT team. So she tells them that, you know, nature is going to tell us exactly where Nova is. If you're looking at a tree and there's a bunch of birds in it, you know that she's not there. So the theory was that because Nova has never been outside of her enclosure before, she's going to stay close by. And she's been bonded to her sister since birth, so she's not going to leave her. So really the hope for Lisa was that Nova was going to come out for dinner between the hours of 4 and 6. 
This is when she's fed on a daily basis. She's going to be looking for something to eat. Now, the first big development in this happens around nine hours into the search when finally something happens. And Lisa tells me that she's standing in front of Nova's enclosure. And she says she's alerted to the sound of a screeching squirrel. And she follows this sound for about 100 yards. And there's a wooden gate to the left of this enclosure. And behind that wooden gate, she says that there's a vestibule. And there, for the first time, she sees Nova. And she says that Nova does a little spin before she kind of goes back into where she was hiding. So it was really like miraculous timing for them. Because if they had missed this moment and not followed the alert of this squirrel, she could have gone right back into where she was hiding and the search would have continued way past dark. But it's that next day when this story starts to unravel because we hear from them at a news conference. And not only do they tell us that what happened to Nova's enclosure was intentional, they also revealed to us that there was a similar slash in the Langer monkey enclosure. So they open a criminal investigation and and we think that the worst is behind us. But we find out pretty quickly that the story's actually just begun. So, Jamie, it's almost like as as terrible as these incidents were, maybe they were, I remember thinking about it at the time, thinking this is probably just vandalism, this was a terrible thing, but the animals are safe, Nova's back home, we're all going to move on. But that's not what happened, because things took a much more serious turn when an animal at the zoo turned up dead. Yes. So on the morning of January 21st, another one of these routine headcounts goes completely awry when they find one of their lappet face vultures dead in his enclosure. They're telling us that they found the vulture dead of unusual circumstances. They used the word suspicious. And that was pretty much all that we knew at that time. Now, the next day, we have another news conference at the zoo. And pretty much the only additional detail that they tell us is that this vulture was found with a wound. His name was Pin, and he's believed to be about 35 years old, and he came to the zoo 33 years ago. And then in the middle of all of this, there's also a strange visitor at the zoo. Yes. So on January 29th, a zoo visitor is asking a lot of strange questions about the animals. And Zookeepers were very clear in saying that this was outside the normal realm of questioning. He's asking things like, how do you get the animals inside at night? How do you handle them? And how can I get one? And one of the zookeepers even told police that he was taking notes on tissue paper. And the very next day, they discover slashed mesh in the underzone. And the biggest attraction in there is Bella and Finn, two emperor tamarind monkeys, and they're missing. Jamie, these monkeys are really distinctive looking, uh, Bella and Finn. They've become almost like celebrities. We know them by their names. And I think I can say as as a journalist, objectively, that they are adorable. Could you describe them a bit for us? So Bella and Finn are about one pound each. Um, They have these incredibly beautiful auburn, kind of a dull gold tail. And they have these small, furry, brown bodies, and they are totally outperformed by these long, white mustaches. And it's actually believed that they got their name from a German emperor who had very similar facial facial hair, which is an incredible fun fact. They're different personality-wise, very similar to Nova and Luna, where one of them is a bit more curious and one of them is a bit more shy. Harrison Adele, one of the senior staff members at the zoo, said that they're just incredible ambassadors for the Dallas Zoo and 
and they just bring so much life and and personality and they're they really captivate the kids. So Jamie for for all the reasons you just laid out, the public is really interested in what is happening and what has happened to Bella and Finn. I remember this became a huge story and that escalated even more when police released photos of the strange visitor at the zoo. What happened? So the first big development that we get in terms of who is responsible for this because the whole time that all of this is unfolding, there's all sorts of questions and theories circulating on social media about, is this an inside job? Is this wildlife trafficking? Who is responsible for this? So one morning, police finally released photos that have been taken on a Dallas Zoo surveillance uh, camera. And it's of a man walking around zoo grounds. He's wearing a hoodie, sweatpants, just regular Nike tennis shoes, a knit hat, totally unsuspecting, and he's um, eating a bag of nacho cheese Doritos. And this is all we see him do. Wander around, he's eating these chips. At one point, he looks right into the camera. And all they give us in terms of information with this set of photos is that they want to talk to this guy about the missing monkeys. They say he's not a person of interest. We just think that he might have some information. And then surprisingly, the big break in this case came from those photos, but it happened in an unlikely place, Lancaster, which is about 20 minutes south of the zoo. What happened? So in the city of Lancaster, there is this tight-knit, small-town church. And the pastor there has a daughter. Her name is Tanya Thomas. And she gets these photos sent to her in a family group chat. Whoever sends this says, you know, do we recognize this guy? Is this the man who's been wandering around our neighborhood and in our church? And everyone agrees, yes, that's him. We totally remember this face. And basically, she goes on to tell me that last spring, a man attended one of their church services, and he was totally distracting, a very memorable experience. They said that the way you know he was acting was reminiscent of the beginning stages of a metamorphosis, is what they call it. He's flailing his arms. He's kind of rolling his eyes into the back of his head. He's rocking back and forth on his feet. And while none of them ever saw him go in and out of this community home that's next door to their church. They say that some of their neighbors did and that he was bringing animals with them. So when they see these photos and they think about the fact that this man has been seen walking around the neighborhood with animals, Tanya's sister-in-law, whose name is Winter, she decides to call police. And she says, you know, this could be a total coincidence. This might be nothing. We might bring the police out here and and there's nothing to find, but she said to herself, you know, if I let these monkeys die in this house because I don't make this call, I'd never forgive myself. And so they call police. Um, and once they arrive, they find these monkeys in what they describe to be a closet. So, Jamie, quickly from here, things escalate. And because of those photos that are circulating, because of the help they got from this family in Lancaster, this suspect is spotted again. And we finally have a name, Davion Irvin. What do we know about Davion? So Davion is spotted at the Dallas World Aquarium downtown. And he's recognized by an employee because he starts asking questions. And this employee had been keeping up with the news coverage of the stolen monkeys. And this immediately alerts them. So what we find out about Davion is that he's 24 and he's 
basically an invisible man. He has no digital footprint to go off of. And the only person that we were able to get in contact with is not a direct family member, but someone who said that he's a friend of the family. And he's very adamant in talking to me the morning after Davion is arrested that this is a good kid who's never been in any trouble. And he says that Davion was spotted on the surveillance video holding a bag of chips. Not any monkeys, no photographic evidence of him being involved in anything related to what's going on at the zoo. And he is right about Davion reportedly not being in any trouble before. When you look through court records, there is no extensive criminal history. And really, the only charge that he ever faced, which was failure to identify, was dismissed. And basically, what we learned from that charge was that he was being questioned about a possible theft at a Dollar General. And he gave four fake names before finally telling the officer who he is. Other than that, he remains quite the mystery. Jamie, you reported um, some of what Davion told police in his confessions or in court records, which included some pretty chilling comments. Yes. So in the arrest warrant affidavits for Davion, it says that he very willingly detailed to police how this all went down in terms of what happened with Bella and Finn. So he tells them that long after the zoo closed on the 29th at about 4 p.m., he waits until dark, hops a fence, and heads to the monkey's exhibit. And he says that he slashes the metal mesh, walked through the door, cut the other cage, and then took Bella and Finn. And he tells them that he took them on the dart rail, of all things, on public transportation, Uh, until the last exit that he could, and then he walks to this vacant home in Lancaster where he tells them that he keeps his animals. And we do have surveillance video of a man believed to be Irvin walking off of this dart rail, and all he has is a black backpack. So right now the assumption is that he put Bella and Finn in the backpack, took the light rail, and then walked to the home where he put the monkeys. But what he tells them after that is that he loves animals, and so much so that if he's released from jail, he's going to return to the zoo and do it again. Wow. He'll do it again. What's happened since his arrest? What we've learned so far is that he was taken in for a mental health evaluation, but we don't know what the result of that was. And right now there's nothing um, scheduled in terms of any court appearances or anything of that sort, but we do know that he's still in custody and uh, his bond has been increased from the original $25,000 to $130,000 now that they've added two burglary uh, charges to, to the list of what he's facing. And how has the Dallas Zoo responded to all of this? Since the beginning, Dallas Zoo officials have remained adamant in telling me that they have tried everything they possibly can. So when this was all unraveling, specifically after Pin was found dead, they told me that before the string of break-ins began, they already had more than 100 cameras covering their 106-acre campus. And so what they decided to do was, in the weeks since, they have nearly tripled that camera coverage, including adding these solar tower camera units from Dallas police, which just kind of give them a wider area of coverage as opposed to separate security cameras in different exhibits. So they add those and they've increased their security and overnight staff presence. And they've done a few other things in terms of consulting outside security experts because they did admit, you know, once Bella and Finn were missing that 
they knew their best just wasn't good enough. And so they needed to get some outside help. And since then, uh, the only other thing that we have been made aware of is that they're adding additional fence lining because Davion did say that he was able to jump the fence. And so what used to be a pretty standard wire fence is now an extra layer of wood panels. And and they're looking into you know other ways that they can make that more secure. But I mean, they've gotten really creative and, and they're trying everything they can to ensure the safety of their animals going forward. And speaking of, how are Bella and Finn doing? Bella and Finn are great. I got to go see them about two days after they were put back in their habitat and they are totally weight restored. They were running around from branch to branch. Uh, Lisa, who was the manager that I talked to about uh, Nova's disappearance, she was there with me and and she said, again, it, it seems pretty seamless and they're not attracting as much attention as uh, Nova did when she was returned. And they said, you know, people are coming to see them and not even noticing that that anything is different. And she said that that's exactly the way that they want it to be at the zoo. Finally, Jamie, I want to ask you about one more thing that you did that was sort of unusual in the middle of reporting this story. You paused and wrote an obituary for Penn, a eulogy. And I thought it was really striking because this bird, as you describe, you know, was 15 pounds with a wingspan that reached nearly nine feet, you know, a large and powerful African vulture. Uh, you know, I learned that he was strong enough to rip open an elephant with stomach acid that could dissolve bone. His immune system was impervious to anthrax and the plague. And yet he died from a puncture wound. And I just wonder, as we close, if you could just read a bit more of your eulogy for Penn. Of course. I love this story, too, because I think we went through a very similar series of, of, of emotions and a similar thought process to our readers when we wrote this, which kind of started with, well, how on earth do you make someone love a vulture? And then by the end, we were going through the five stages of grief, just thinking about what happened to him and about everything that we lost when we lost him. And I think it's such a a beautiful example of how, you know, maybe you think, why should I write this? No one's going to care and and kind of turn that thought process into, well, we've taught people not only why they should care now, but why we should have cared about this animal all along. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So the story starts like this. If other animals earn adoration with looks and secure it with character, the lappet face vulture suffers in both. The shriveled balding birds are, after all, best known for a vile, though vital, destruction. Yet, the Dallas Zoo will remember fondly the one named Pin. Keepers eulogize a wild-caught beast turned contentive captive, and visitors, those who looked close enough, mourn a calm and consistent presence that spanned decades. Pin had 11 children, a major contribution to a rapidly declining population at risk of becoming critically endangered. African vultures are poisoned and poached for traditional medicine, their brains, when dried to a powder and smoked, are said to conjure visions of the future. There are likely only 6,500 lapid face vultures left on Earth. Lapid face vultures usually raise one egg at a time and hover over their chick for about the first month, but Pin was an involved father. Once, during a severe thunderstorm, he was seen booking it across his exhibit to wrap a wing around a two-month-old, doing his best to shield it from the hail. Typical Pin, said Marcy Harry, an assistant zoological manager who worked with Pin for 26 years. We considered him parent of the year. Pin is survived by his children, spread out at zoos across the nation. 
His first granddaughter, who hatched in early 2020, lives at the Maryland Zoo. Oh, Jamie gets me every time. Jamie Landers, thank you. Thank you. You can read all of Jamie's eulogy for Penn and her new story about the Dallas Zoo mystery right now at dallasnews.com. We'll continue covering new developments. Today's episode was produced by Christian Vasquez. And if you want to hear more of our special audio reports and listen to our daily news roundup, then just search for the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast. You'll also find links to all of our audio content, along with a special membership offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. For the news, I'm Christopher Wynn. Have a great day. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.